this was intended uh, to be mentioned in announcements. We didn't get it in time. For the sake of time, I'm going to ask you all to be mindful already of whatever the the issue is. It could be a, an internal uh, issue, challenge, weakness of your own, uh, the situation that you are struggling with, um, weakening faith in an area, what have you. Go ahead and write on your sheet of paper what it is you want to bring to the cross today. There will be a time during the message where you will be invited to bring that uh, to the cross. The sheet of paper, I will ask you to drop in the basket here. Do not put your name on it. We'll want to keep it anonymous. Don't put your name on it, but... We want that issue that you're going to be bringing to the cross, we want it written out. And and we're going to do something with that. We're going to take those and we're going to commit those to prayer. We'll keep those sheets of paper and we will, in intercessory prayer, we will uh, join you in prayer before God and believing for answered prayer. So you can be doing that uh, even now and just be thinking about it. If you need to just think on it for a little bit, you'll have time. Uh, Praise the Lord. Join me in a brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much for loving us. Even while we were still sinners, you sent Christ Jesus to die on the cross for us. Thank you for loving us in spite of us. Thank you, Father God, for making a way of salvation. You loved us so much, you didn't want heaven without us, as the song says. And, and Lord, we are humbled by that. And so, Lord, as we endeavor to get into your word this morning, we just ask you to, uh, to really help us, convict us, Holy Spirit, that we would be in, a, in an attitude of humility, uh, that we would be in an attitude of, of a faithful expectation, Asking ourselves the question, Lord, what is it are you saying to me today? What nugget do you, are you giving me that would help me in my personal growth in my relationship with you, Lord? And we will be mindful to be obedient to what you speak to us, Lord, that we want to be doers and not hearers only. Uh, May you be glorified in us and through us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I would ask you all to uh, turn your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 11. Uh, We have been going over the I Am statements of Jesus, and this morning's I Am statement of Jesus is that he says of himself, I am the resurrection and the life. But uh, before we get into today's message, I'm going to ask something of you. Uh, you know, I tend to like, uh, I tend to uh, encourage you 
Don't just read the words. It's important not to just know the facts because these stories involve real people, real emotions, real fears, real challenges, and, and it's not just what happened. It's what the people were feeling and what the people were thinking as they were going through what was happening. And there are some things in there for us that if we pay attention to it, 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 it brings a story to life to us and, and we can relate with the people in the story on a different level. There is more to it than just knowing what the verse says. So in this, I'm going to ask you and challenge you to really put yourself in the place of the ones Jesus loved, Mary, Martha. If you want to, if Lazarus, if you want to, but, but Mary and Martha, I'm going to really challenge you to really put yourself in their shoes. What if this was you and your family? What if this was you and your loved one? And as we read, it's going to be almost, it's going to be almost impossible. Um, I know we know the end of the story. And it's hard to read the story without knowing what actually took place and that the amazing miracle that took place. But these people didn't know what we know. So I want you to be mindful of that. They didn't know what we know. They didn't know what was possible. They were people of faith. They were people that Jesus loved, but they did not know him as the resurrection and the life. They did not know it was possible for one to be resurrected from the dead. And so if we're, if we're going to have compassion, if we're going to be fully able to understand what they went through and, and how the Lord really wanted to reveal himself and work in their hearts in that situation, we're going to need to do our best to put ourselves in that moment. As though we have no idea what the outcome is going to be. And let's see what God wants to say to us through that. I'll start in the first verse of chapter 11. It says, now a certain man was ill. So we have an illness in the family. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary, or that same Mary, who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother was ill. So it involves people who are very close. They know they love Jesus, but not only do they love Jesus, they know Jesus loves them. And so the sisters sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. So let's start there. Let's stop there for a moment. This, the scripture here makes it obvious. The person who's sick, Jesus loves them. And the people who sent for Jesus, Jesus loves them. And they made a point to tell them, the person who's sick isn't just anybody. The person that, this person that you love 
is the one who's sick. And this sickness has to be uh, scary. It has to be very serious. Because the request is urgent. You can see in the moment that if there is not some miraculous intervention, their attitude is it's inevitable that it will end in death. So they're desperate. See, I want us to relate to the desperation of the moment. The anxiety of the moment. The fear of the moment. It's hard to do that when we already know the glory of the moment. But if we're going to do them justice, we need to put ourselves in what they were feeling. And so anybody who has watched a loved one die, or anyone, but anyone who's watched a loved one die, I'm sure you can relate. To the emotion of the moment. And so, but when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. They're not here to say this, but he's talking to his disciples. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. And this is an interesting dichotomy here. Because the people of God are asking for him to do one thing. But God wants to do another. How many times are we desperate in our situation? And we desperately need God to intervene. And we want him to intervene before a time where we think that if he doesn't intervene by this time, there's no chance. God's got to do it this way. He's got to do it by this time. If he doesn't do what we want him to do by this time, all is lost. And Jesus said, right there, I know what they're asking me for. But what they're fearing is going to happen is not going to be the end result. God has another plan. And a lot of times, we're going to have to stand strong and just trust God when we don't understand. Are you hearing me? And so our emotions will put us in a mind state that we feel like things have to be done right now. They have to be done right away. And there has to be something that prevents our worst fears from happening. Because once the worst fear happens, it's over. This illness does not lead to death. We all know that he died, but he said it does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he loved him so much, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. He didn't go right away. That seems contradictory to what he said. And you can imagine how they must have felt. What's taking him so long? Lazarus doesn't have much left 
to live. He has no, he doesn't have much life left. If Jesus doesn't get here, all will be lost. And you can see, I imagine every minute, every hour, every of those days that he waited two more days to even start to go. And then you have to add however much time it took to make the journey. We're reading that it took him two more days. The text is quiet about the emotional turmoil that they went through while Jesus waited. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you and you're going there again? And he says, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And after saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. They didn't understand what he says. And so he says in verse 14 and 15, Jesus says to them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. When what God wants to do deviates from what we want him to do, what then? Does God have to do what we want him to do on our schedule? Obviously, the question is not even Jesus exemplified that on the cross when he says, Lord, if there's any other way. But he said, but not my will, but thine be done. And so he resolved in himself and he asked that three times. Is there another way? But each time he humbled himself before the father and said, your will be done. Not mine. And he set his face like flint to go and suffer the cross for us. So Jesus knew that he died. And he said, I'm glad for your sake that I was not there. Uh, He's about to reveal a new uh, facet of himself. He's about to show something that even his most devout followers don't know about him. And a lot of times when God, when God wants to reveal himself to us in a greater way, it's, it's beyond the box that we hold God in in our minds. And, you know, it's like the disciples in the boat. He wants to reveal himself beyond the borders of the boat. And, and, and the question for us is, are we willing to get out of the boat if he says come? Will we let him enlarge our perspective, our vision of him, our understanding of him? It's going to require us take some steps that are not comfortable, that are scary, that challenge our paradigm. Is it making sense to you? And so, and that's what's happening. So now he's leaving with his disciples. He's told them. And verse 17 says, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for days. 
Now, there are uh, 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 writings that say that the belief at the time was that if someone was dead uh, three days or more, you know, once somebody's been dead three days or more than three days, then they're dead dead. You know, the spirit, you know, there may be a chance for resurrection if it happens within a certain time frame but once you pass three days it was too late it cannot happen and maybe that factored into Jesus' decision to wait till the fourth day to come because he's about to reveal something to himself and he doesn't want superstition or false belief or or bad doctrine and so forth to 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 muddy up the waters about what he wants to do he wants to make it clear This about himself. Praise the Lord. Hey, Robert and Annette. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. (laughs) Happy Resurrection Day, y'all. He is risen. Indeed. Hallelujah. So let's skip up to verse 21. He's come. Lazarus has been dead and in the tomb four days. In verse 21, Martha comes to Jesus and she says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. I don't fully understand why she said that last part. The best thing I can figure is that sometimes we come up with these things in our mind that have some kind of comfort to us but aren't real substantive. I think what she's saying, though, what she could be saying is, Lord, if you had been here, you'd have been able to heal him. If you made it in time, what has now happened would not have happened. I wanted you here in time to stop his death. And if you'd made it here, I have no doubt in my mind that you would have done and been able to do what I told you to do, or what I uh, sent for you to do. You would have answered my prayer. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. And and I go with me here. (laughs) I put myself in that situation, and I've tried to, and I've analyzed it, and, and and here's what I, the best I can come up with is, is what I would have meant by that. Like, Lord, if you'd, have, if you'd have been here, I know you were capable. I don't know why you didn't get here in time, but you're still Lord. It doesn't change who you are to me. You're still the son of God, and whatever you ask of the Father, he'll do for you. I'm hurting right now because uh, I didn't get the answer to my prayer, but you're still Jesus, and that doesn't change for me. And, and I can relate to her right there. You know, you're, you're doing what you can to stay strong in the faith, and, and you're saying the right things, and, and, and it doesn't mean you don't mean them, but Jesus, you're still Jesus. I still believe in you. I still trust in you. I still love you. You're still the Christ. I'm going to make myself say that through the pain, but the pain is still there. 
And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. You know, a lot of times when, when we hear a word, whether it's in red, which means Jesus said it, or whether it's in black, which means someone else said it, when we hear a word, how we interpret that word is affected by the mindset that we're in in that moment, the emotional state that we're in in that moment. Jesus tells her in no uncertain terms, your brother will rise again. But because of where she's at, she's interpreted that as a future statement. When everybody in the Lord's going to rise again, because in her mind, that's not something that can happen right now. I know I've been there, and I want to ask if you've been there. Oh, God, you know, there is something in the future. I know there's future hope, but whatever hope I had in the right now died with the person that's in the tomb. It doesn't have to be a person for you. It could be an, a, a, an aspiration. It could be a dream. It could have been something you were hoping for. And, and when it didn't happen by a certain time, it died. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She's not wrong, is she? She's not wrong. She just doesn't know that that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Right? And so it's right that he's going to rise again. We're all going to rise again on that day. We're all going to be resurrected, those of us who are in Christ. But Jesus said to her, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I am the resurrection and the life. Resurrection is not a, just a thing that's going to happen. You're looking at the resurrection and the life. I want to reveal to you this situation with your brother is for the glory of God. So that y'all might know that God the Father has sent me. That I have power even over death. You don't have to fear death. Death, where is your sting? Our God has the power to raise the dead to life. Not just on that day, but he can do it today. Amen? I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And he answered, do you believe this? That's a lot to hit. That's a lot to hit her with. That's way outside what had to be the, 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 uh, the mentality of the time. Remember, Jesus has not died and risen again yet. See, we read, the, we, we, we read scripture having the knowledge that Jesus has risen. We know he's overcome the world. We know he's conquered sin and death. We know the miracle of resurrection. These people don't know this. And sometimes, you know, we don't cut them the slack that we ought to uh, because we've seen the movie before. If you've seen a movie before and you watch it with somebody who hasn't seen the movie, I am notorious in dropping hints 
and saying stuff that just ruin the moments. But I, <laughs> it's hard. It's so hard. Especially if it's a movie I like, you know? It's a totally different experience once you know what happens. You can still love that movie, but it's not, it can never be the same as it was when you first watched it. The cliffhangers, the suspense, you know, the unexpected twists, all of those things that made it so wonderful to you in the first time, or so scary, depending on what genre you like. It diminishes greatly the second time you watch it. These people are, we're getting to watch the movie again. These people are living a life and they don't know what's around the next corner. They have no idea what Jesus is about to do. They have no idea what they have. They have some idea, but they don't really know the scope of what he's capable of. And so they are viewing and experiencing these events with a limited knowledge. And, and this revelation, could you imagine how amazing the revelation of who Jesus is and, and, and the fact that he is the resurrection of life, the resurrection and the life to those who are actually living this out for the very first time. Jesus probably sounds like he's out of his mind to her. But she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. Now, we can only believe God where we're at. But we have to be humble and open to let God pull us deeper and deeper and expand our minds so that we can grow in our faith and our knowledge of him. Right? We have to give him, trust him enough to let him pull and stretch us. Because there is so much more to God than what we know of him. And only he can reveal himself to us. Amen? And so, after this fantastical statement from him, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall we live, yet shall he live. Now, this is a trip. Now, imagine what she must have been feeling because her brother Lazarus believed in Jesus and he's already dead. They don't know how to interpret these words. And so, he who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's a yes or no question. But she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ. I don't know about all that, but I believe that you're the Christ, the son of God who is coming into this world. Sometimes that's, she gave him all she could give him. There was not unbelief there. She just, she just had a limit to her belief. The one thing she was sure of, and I, I give her credit here, she gets knocked you know, uh, she, she gets knocked a lot, Martha does, uh, compared to how, but when you compare her to Mary. But the things she was sure of, she stood on. I don't understand this. I don't fully understand what you're saying, Jesus, but I believe. Here's what I know. You're the Christ. 
You're the son of God who has come into this world. And I tell you what, you don't have to be the most faith-filled individual, but what you know, know it. What you know, stand in it. The enemy attacks your mind, those fiery darts, tries to produce doubt. You stand on what the word of God has said and, and what you know to be true. The circumstances may try to contradict it, but as far as I'm concerned, God is true and everyone and everything else is a liar. No matter the circumstance. Let's skip down to verse 32 because Mary finds out. Martha lets her know Jesus is here. She's handling her grief a little bit differently than Martha is, but it's no more or less deeply painful for her. And she says what Martha says. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Jesus asked an important question. Where have you laid him? And I want to ask you to consider for a moment what Lazarus has died in your life. Now I'm going to ask you at some point, you're going to be bringing that Lazarus We're not naming it Lazarus, but it'll play the role of Lazarus, of your Lazarus, and what we're going to do today. Because I believe filling the pews of the churches, whether it's churches or butts in in stadiums or arenas or uh, office buildings or schools, there are a lot of living, breathing people occupying desks, occupying chairs, occupying pews. They're alive, but there are things they once hoped for. There are areas of their life that are dead, entombed. Whatever hope once existed, has been extinguished. You prayed, you prayed, you hoped, you prayed and prayed some more and you desperately wanted God to intervene, wanted God to open a door of opportunity, wanted God to lift you up and make something possible and it never opened for you. 
And because it didn't, there came a time. It, it, I probably shouldn't use never, you know, because that's saying never say never. We'll just say it hasn't happened yet. And because it hasn't happened yet, at some point, the dream died. The hope died. The faith died. And the interpretation of those events was that, all right, it must not have been God's will or God said no or whatever. I cried out. And I believed God for it. I had strong faith and expectation, but he didn't come in time. And it's now too late. I want to tell you, I, 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 I want to tell you, don't you believe that lie? There's no too late with God. Because we serve a resurrecting God. Amen? I said we serve a resurrecting God. Amen? Amen. Act like you know. Don't be ashamed. We got to know that we know that we know. And Jesus said, where have you laid him? We want, you know, we got to be willing to take the stuff that we have given up on. Not because God said no. Not because God said give up on it. But because we gave up on it because at a certain time we felt like it wasn't going to happen. And we've got to be open to the fact that maybe God is not done. It didn't happen in my time, but maybe God has a different timeline than I do. And, 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 and when God's timeline, when he's ready to do it in his timeline, will I still have faith to go where he tells me to go, to do what he tells me to do? Or, or, or am I still going to be stuck looking at the tomb that I've laid it in. Convinced in my own mind that all chance, all opportunity for that to come, to be a living reality in my life is over. And I want to encourage you that it's not over. It may be, you may have entombed it. You may have moved on. But I would challenge you to revisit whatever that is. And instead of just giving up and considering all lost, I I challenge you to take it to the cross. Revisit it. Take it to the cross. and, 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 And avail yourself to God and let God speak the truth of the matter to you. God, do you have purpose? Is it really a chapter in my life that needs to remain closed? Or did I allow doubt, fear, and unbelief in me to close a book that should have stayed open and and where I should have still remained in faith waiting for you to do what you wanted to do in the timing that you wanted to do it in? I believe there are things that we bury that, that Jesus has come to resurrect, to show himself the resurrection and the life in our lives. But Mary says the same thing that Martha said. 
Jesus said, where have you laid him? If we go down to verse 38. Jesus said, where have you laid him? And they went and took him to the spot that they laid him. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Here's here's where it gets hard. It's, It's one thing to take Jesus to the tomb and show him where it's been laid to rest. You know, those those tragic moments, those shameful moments, those painful moments, those regretful moments, the disappointment, the rejection, the hurt, the, the stench of that, we like to keep entombed away and stoned up. We don't want the smell getting out. We don't want the gore of it to be visible. And yet Jesus challenges them and says, roll the stone away. You know, one of the hardest things to do in counseling people is, or even just Fellowshipping with people a lot of times, one of the hardest things is to get is to get beneath the surface and get transparent with one another. It's hard to trust. It's hard to let people see the real you, flaws and all, because we're so guarded and protective of not only our image or our reputation, but of our family history. We know. We know all the warts. We know where the bodies are buried, so to speak. And there's certain laundry that just should not be seen. And yet Jesus goes right to that spot. And he says, I want you to take the place of your biggest fear, your biggest disappointment, your biggest pain is laying in that tomb. All these tears you've said over the last few days, all the anguish and angst is laying in that tomb. Now, I want to do something. I'm going to do something here. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm going to show you this, but I'm going to require something of you. I want you to roll away the stone and expose to God the pain at the core of you. The disappointment, the shame at the core of you. Open up the tomb. Take Jesus there. He already knows where it is, but he wants you to take it there because you're the one that needs a work, that needs a touch from the Lord. And he requires us to participate in it. Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, you realize what you're asking by this time? 
pretty bad. He's been in there four days. If we open it up, it's going to be very unpleasant for everybody. As though Jesus didn't know. But Jesus says to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? See, a lot of times in our hurts, in our despairs, if we stay tethered to them so lo- too long, if we don't allow ourselves to be free from the pain and anguish and shame, if we don't allow God to free us from those things, our continued tethering with them will hinder our ability to walk with God, how he wants us to walk with him. It will cause us, it will mar the way we're able to perceive what it is he's doing in our lives and how he wants to reveal himself to us. That's why it's important that we let go of those things, that we forgive the people who hurt us the most. It's not, we need to not be afraid that we're giving them a pass. We need to not consider that we're giving them a pass. No, you're not giving them a pass. You're giving yourself a pass. You're not affecting other people's lives by choosing to not forgive them. At least you're not affecting them as much as you're affecting your own life. Because that refusal to forgive puts you in a position where God has even said, if you refuse to to forgive, don't be coming to me asking for forgiveness for your sins. He doesn't ask us to do it. He tells us to. One, to accurately reflect him because we're his representatives. But two, he loves us so much he knows how bound we are when we choose not to forgive. And he doesn't want us bound. He died and rose again to set us free. He doesn't want you afraid to try again because you're scared to fail again. He wants you to know your identity is in him. Your identity isn't in success and failure in whatever profession you, uh, you're in or aspire to be in. Your identity doesn't rise and fall on your performance. Your identity is secure in him. And so we don't have to be afraid to fail because we've already overcome. We're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who died for us and loves us. Are you hearing me? We're already victorious. We've already overcome the world where it matters. Our names are already written in the Lamb's book of life. We have eternal life in Christ Jesus. This life, which is but a vapor, will be here today and gone tomorrow. None of, you know, none of us know how many days we'll live on this earth. I pray that each and every one of us get a, 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 a flourish, in the things of God, and we get a well done, thy good and faithful servant, because we have endeavored to seek God and get God's will and purpose for our lives, and we lived it to the fullest. And maybe we impacted 10 lives instead of 10,000, but to God, it doesn't matter. You did what I called you to do. Well done. Maybe you're, maybe you're, 
Maybe you made a difference in one life. The number doesn't matter if you did what God called you to do. If you're faithful in the things that God entrusted you with, you will get that well done. My good and faithful servant, he doesn't want us weighed down with things that will hinder the way we view him, that hinders our ability to trust him, that hinders our ability to perceive what he's doing in our lives and wants to do through us. And so he said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. And I think I stopped at 44 as far as what I asked them to, oh, all right, 46, let's keep going then. And many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. I'm not even going to talk about those folks. But Jesus showed himself to be the resurrection and the life. And there were those who had who were there sharing in the mourning of Mary and Martha concerning their brother. Many of them ended up becoming believers. And this is what this is what Jesus intent was from the very beginning you see it is a it is a miracle for someone who is sick to be healed these people knew that Jesus opened the eyes of the blind man they knew that Jesus was they already knew Jesus could heal the sick they knew that he could uh, uh, deliver people from demonic possession They've seen him do incredible and miraculous things. What they did not know was that he even had authority over death. And he chose the one that he loved. The ones that he loved. Lazarus was the one that he let die. Mary and Martha were the ones pleading for his life to prevent him from dying because the extent of their belief was that we know God, we know Jesus can heal. So by faith, we ask for healing. We don't know that he can raise somebody from the dead. That's not where our faith is. But Jesus decided, look, he's going to die, but he's not going to stay dead. Jesus like, I know something you don't know. Though this sickness will kill him, his Lord and Savior 
will undo that and bring him back to life as a sign of the resurrection that is to come. The same Jesus who is able to raise the dead man Lazarus is the same one through whom we will be raised to eternal life on that day. And he wanted them to know himself, I am the resurrection and the life. I want you to see that power and let it Let this be an encouragement to you, a strengthening of your faith to know that in me, you put faith in me, Jesus, I have the power not only to take up my own life again, but to raise you up to eternal life on that day. Now, Jesus would eventually go to the cross. He said, no man takes my life. I lay it down. I offer it freely. These guys think that they're extinguishing my light. They think that they're taking my life. Jesus said he could call a legion of angels that will handle business on his behalf. If it wasn't for him to die, they could not kill him. But he came here here to die, to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And this passage today is him making that known publicly. You never know how God wants to work in your situation. Have your prayers. Believe God for whatever it is you believe in God for. I'm not going to say don't have faith unless you hear it from heaven and God speaks to you from the sky and say do thou this. You know, you don't have to get that audible voice. You know what the scripture says. You're believing God. You're standing on his promises. You have a dream. You have uh, something you're aspiring to do. Go for it. Don't be afraid to fail. Go for it. Believe God for it. But as you pray, don't, and as you act, don't make the mistake of putting God in a box. That God has to do X, Y, Z by X, Y, Z time or the dream is dead. Sometimes, and I believe, uh, sometimes we interpret things that haven't happened after a certain passage of time. And you've heard me say this before. We, we process that as saying, well, God said no. It's over. Sometimes God just said not now. My kids used to hate that. Well, they hated no more. But if they wanted to do something, we say, well, not today. Not now. But we want to do it now. Well, when you're mama or daddy, you can make that call. Sometimes the hardest thing is to wait, to hang in there. When things are uncertain, how long must I wait, Lord? And how many Ishmaels have been created because we got impatient or anxious? Because the wait was longer 
than we anticipated. The wait was longer than we expected or signed up for. Maybe that's you. And maybe some Ishmaels have been birthed out of that that aren't a part of God's plan for your life. The good thing for you is that it's not too late to give it to God. It's not too late for the plan of God to come to pass in your life. Right? And so what I... uh, I want to share I'll share a a final scripture out of 2 Corinthians 5 but I want to take this time to have each of y'all put in your hands your flower and uh, your paper which I hope already has written on it what you're going to bring to the Lord and lay down at the cross. There's a scripture that is referred to as the great exchange. Second uh, Corinthians five verses 17 to 21 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And, 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 and here is the signature scripture in this. For our sake, he made him, Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So the flower that you have in your, day, in your hand today has been dirtied up. It's been muddied up. It represents the sin, whatever sin you may be, you may have in your life. Whatever abuse or hardship you may be experiencing in your life, uh, wherever you might be stuck, maybe there is some bitterness and unforgiveness that you've been holding on to for a decade or decades, and God wants you to lay that down today. He wants you to be free. Maybe there, maybe you you haven't admitted it to yourself, and maybe you're sitting here and you know realize you've been angry at God. Because you felt like God let you down. You believed him for something. You believed it so strongly you told your friends, believers and non-believers alike. You told family. You told strangers. You just knew you were going to be able to do this. God put it in your heart so strongly you felt. And after a while you got jaded because it didn't happen. You felt like God set you up and abandoned you didn't come through for you that's a lie I know like Mary and Martha it feels it feels one way but the truth is the truth and I want to I want to challenge you today is the day to let it go 
Today is the day to take Jesus to the tomb, to the tomb of the dead, and roll the stone away. Let the, let the stink out. Believe again. Let hope arise again. Trust him again. That thing that was dead can live again in Jesus. Trust him enough to at least take it to him and see what he has to say. So I'm going to start with this left section over the section over here to my left. I'm going to ask each and every one of you all to put your flower somewhere in this chicken wire on the cross and drop your paper in the basket in front of it. Um, Christian, so if you guys would just come up in a nice line.
do want to take this time to thank all of you who served uh, uh, to make all this possible. Uh, Kip, thank you uh, for, what, for what you did in helping with the cross. Uh, Beverly, Leanne, thank you ladies so much. Uh, everybody's about to see how, uh, how wonderful and beautiful a job you guys did. Uh, thank you to Heather and the Underwood, Underwood family. Um, you know, this idea was uh, birthed out of a conversation. It, uh, uh, Heather shared this about, maybe not this exactly, but, uh, you know, I was inspired by an idea that, that Heather shared and uh, decided that this was the Lord doing and wanted to, felt like it was worth taking the time to have the church body participate, do something with the message that God has challenged us with, do something active to lay down those things that's been a burden and a hindrance to our lives so that we can be free to walk with God wherever he wants to take us, as far as as he wants us to go with him. Amen? I want to be in, I want to be unencumbered. I want to be unlimited in my ability to trust him and walk with him. And and again, these dirty flowers, you know, no, nobody would pay a lot of money to to uh, to buy ugly flowers. You wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to give filthy flowers to your beloved, right? That wouldn't reflect very well. Uh, probably wouldn't get you the desired results. You'd probably be tempted to throw them right back in your face. But you know, we have a Savior who loves us so deeply he came to take our ugliness. You know, he doesn't turn up his nose at our sin. He doesn't turn up his nose and and, and turn his back on us or our ugliness. As a matter of fact, he, he embraces it, right? He came down from heaven and became sin for us. So that he might make us the righteousness of God in him. That's the beauty of the salvation. That's the great exchange. It's a totally one-sided deal because it's a win-win-win for us. Right? We are not condemned because of our sins because Jesus took them on himself and he became condemned on our behalf. That's what this cross represents. He paid the penalty for our sin. Not because we could earn it, because he loved us that much that he would lay down his life as the Lamb of God that we might have relationship, eternal relationship with him in Christ. And so this all represents all the the ugliness. Kip, would you mind helping me uh, twist this around just to make sure We're going to go this way. All that ugliness that we gave him, he takes it. 
and he gives us something beautiful in return. We give him death and he gives us life. We give him our sinful selves and he gives us his righteousness. In every way, we hated him until we came to know him. We hated him and he gives us his love. I don't know about you, but I can't help but be overwhelmed by that. And the same God who sent his only begotten son to to pay your sin debt so that you could be with him in eternity. This same great exchange is available for you in those ongoing issues of life, those ongoing struggles, those those weights and sins that have been besetting you, those addictions, those those uh, 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 immoral uh, leanings and desires. God wants you to give those to him. He doesn't want you to be isolated, too ashamed to, to, to confess what your issues are and to let him deal with it. Isolation really breeds continued bondage. Building up walls might keep people from knowing what you're doing in your private moments, but it also keeps you from being ever being free. He wants you to roll the stone away. Let's just spend a moment, just close your eyes, bow your heads before God. You've given God whatever ugliness, whatever dirtiness you brought to the cross today. And this cross, the flip side, so gorgeous, so beautiful, is symbolic of what God is ready to issue forth in your life in exchange for what you just gave him. It took courage. It it takes courage to take Jesus to the tomb. It takes courage to roll the stone away. Let this just not be a symbolic gesture, but let it be indicative of real action on your part. Let God do something beautiful. Let that beautiful exchange your dirtiness for his righteousness your ugliness for his beauty. You give him whatever was death to you. So that he'll give you his life. Father God, we thank you.
for speaking to our hearts on this wonderful resurrection day. And Father God, we declare not what we not just what we believe, but what we know concerning our Lord and Savior Jesus, that on the resurrection day, he is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. Our Lord and Savior is the resurrection and the life. And Lord, we, we stand in faith that the things that we've given to you, though they seem dead to us, you will raise to life. That which is according, in accordance with your will, we yield to you. Lord, we humbly come to you. We don't make demands of you. We come with humility. And the things we desire or the things that we have need of, we come asking. We know your heart toward us. You're not one that begrudgingly gives. You are a, a generous giver. You love beyond measure. You do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask to think. You are Jehovah Jireh. You provide for all of our needs. You work everything to our good for those who love you and are the called according to your purpose. So we thank you for taking that which is uncomely that we brought to you and the beauty you give us in exchange. My final word to y'all this morning, I gave it to them as a reference scripture, not as part of the message, but I want to let God's word be the final word uh, from me to you. Uh, I said this morning, it is now afternoon. Sorry. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? It is written, for your sake we're being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I am sure, I like the King James, I am persuaded. But I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's Romans 8 verses 31 to 39. Hallelujah. And may that encourage and bless you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Uh, 
before you guys uh, leave today, um, uh, Heather uh, led a team, uh, her family, <laughs> her team being her family, but set up a nice little photo background uh, on that um, wall out there on the near the north do doors. Uh, Desiree, my daughter, has a camera. If you want to take a an, an Easter photo, uh, we encourage you to do so. We really would like everyone uh, to take a picture uh, in front of that backdrop. Um, if you want to do it as a family or an individual, it doesn't matter. Uh, but we just want you to know that that's available to you. And we also have a, a great exchange card that uh, we want to make sure you leave with today just as a visual reminder of all that the Lord has done for us. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Have a happy rest of your resurrection day. And uh, we love you and bless you in the Lord.